I'm Clyde Lewis. You're about to listen to a sample of today's Ground Zero show. I'm Clyde Lewis, and this is Ground Zero. The number is to call the show tonight, 503-225-0860. That's 503-225-0860. I'd say hello to everybody listening to us coast to coast. We'd also like to thank those who are tuning in at Aftermath.fm. Remember, we're on the air from 7 to 10 p.m. Monday through Friday on Aftermath.fm and also TalkStreamLive.com. Keeps us lit as it links to many of the radio stations that are this program across the country. Also, if you want to listen to the shows at a more convenient time, you can always go to Aftermath.media. That's Aftermath.media. Sign up today for our library, library of documents and books and videos and also some of the old shows, some other shows too that are in the mix, other shows from other great guests and hosts uh, that we have and study groups. You can join up today. Go to Aftermath.media. That's Aftermath.media. I remember um, Monday's show. It's one of those shows where, uh, you know, I, I did the show and I was wondering, you know, whether or not, you know, the audience would respond to it. And there was, you know, we had a few phone calls come into the show, but it, I, I didn't understand if anybody was, if, if they knew what I was talking about, if I was, uh, you know, clear enough. But then I got all these emails, emails from people that really enjoyed the show. And they were saying, you know, you need to talk more about predictive programming in science fiction. You need to talk more about how we've been acclimated to a number of things. And, and of course, they, they said that there seemed to be something missing from the first show. And they said that there needs to be a part two. Well, I thought that would be a challenge, right? I thought, you know, okay, I'll do that. I'll, I'll, I'll come up with something, see if I can, you know, deliver some more information with regard to what I talked about last Monday, which is, of course, I was talking about Einstein. I was talking about Roswell. I was talking about um, Eisenhower. And uh, all of this, what they call UFO mythology. And believe me, we tried to get guests, and everybody wanted to talk about nuts and bolts UFOs. They'd want to talk about some stories, some crazy stories or outrageous stories about our president perhaps making deals with aliens, perhaps not. Who knows? But I was thinking along the lines of, not only predictive programming here, but something called intertextual programming. And what intertextual programming does is it plants a meme in the fertile minds of people, and it's always used in mainstream news reports. It triggers uh, a lot of reaction. It's it's a, it's a trigger. It's a way to trigger people, trigger people into reacting. And uh, TV shows do it, movies do it, and there was a time, if you remember. And maybe there still is. There there are signs sometimes in movie theaters. I mean, I don't know if anybody remembers this. But when you go to a movie theater, it says uh, this movie depicts scenes that may trigger you. And others say, you know, here uh, there's flashing lights in this uh, movie and it may trigger photosensitive epilepsy. Well, that's the thing about intertextual programming is that, uh, you know, we're wired to respond to it in a lot of ways. I mean, people have been wired uh, to, you know, we've been wired to accept a cataclysm of some kind. This cataclysm uh, could happen or come at the hands of aliens. The alien abduction situation, the alien incursion situation, the idea of a invasion or a fake alien invasion or uh, 
blue beam or you know, I hear it all. The idea that it's a great deception. The aliens will come down and they'll expect to be worshipped like like God and that'll be the the biggest satanic deception. I, I think we're in the middle of a satanic deception now. I don't think we need aliens to bring that on, but it's all part of the intertextual programming about you know whether or not we need a space force, whether or not we need to be protected, whether or not our leaders make deals in order to reduce population or eugenics or all those things. I mean, you know, Werner von Braun, he said some things before he died um, about how they would uh, find excuses to put weapons in space and that they would use asteroids and they would use uh, Russians and Chinese. And then the last card they said would be the alien threat. And he said, don't let the alien threat throw you because, you know, there will be no alien threat. Well, I mean, this type of intertextual programming has set off a lot of response. It's set off a lot of debate on whether or not if we have an alien invasion, whether or not it'll be true or false or fake or whatever. whatever. And sometimes you look at film, you look at TV shows, and they spark interest in a lot of things that perhaps we've forgotten or a lot of things that don't get talked about much on the radio or on TV. I mean, we can see them as art. We can see them as art that reflects what has happened in the past. And in some cases, movies and TV shows can be seen as, as I say before, predictive programming, and it can approximate a future out of many possible futures. And when reality imitates movie science fiction and you see a storyline, it's no longer a reflection or an imitation of life. It becomes life. It becomes reality. I mean, it's shaped. It shapes the way we live it shapes the way we see things that's why they know the power hollywood and even the government knows the power of inserting certain in, intertextual programming into tv shows and movies and a lot of it right now a lot of it they want to put in there a lot of it they want to have you look at is climate change or the the idea that the world is doomed unless we do something about the planet i mean movies and tv shows they've been great prognosticators and a lot of the times they can become blueprints for what is to come in the future, using history as its inspiration. Movies and TV shows, mostly science fiction, can give a syntax and a lens through which reality is being forestructured. I mean, even predictive programming that may become a conditioning, uh, and, and it could be gospel for a lot of people. Okay, I mean, we can pick and choose using discernment whether or not we believe stories or whether or not we reject them out of hand. I mean, like I said, last Monday, I explored this newly found information about Einstein and how he was given the grand tour of Roswell and was present during the inspection of the so-called flying saucer that crashed in 1947. And this was one of those rumors that floated around in conspiracy circles for decades. And there were also rumors about Einstein and Tesla having a meeting during the Philadelphia experiment as well, but that turned out to be difficult to prove. However, newly found recordings of his assistant, Dr. Shirley Wright, confirmed the visit, which, if she's to be believed, opens a whole new discussion about what is UFO alien mythology and what is the reality of just who was involved and what the scientists learned about possible alien contact in the 1940s. This story of Einstein, part of it's just part of the so-called mythologies that are now being proven to be true, and, and there are others that are getting the Hollywood treatment, like the so-called Serpo story about President Eisenhower making deals with aliens in order to ensure 
that the United States would receive advanced technology for the war effort. By the time Dwight Eisenhower was president, some interesting things were going on in space. Astronomers discovered large objects in space, which were moving towards the Earth, and it was first believed that they were asteroids. Later evidence proved that the objects were something else. They called out to the Russians and said, what are you doing out there? The Russians said, we have nothing out there. Of course, a lot of people know about the Dark Knight satellite, the, the strange thing out there. Two spaceships that were seen, and this was before Sputnik. And so they had to create um, some sort of uh, project or investigation where they could find a way to identify what was out there it's like the the beginning segment of war of the worlds right where you know you talk about something coming out from mars or you talk about you know asteroids or gas shooting off the planet and in cognito are spaceships incognito are they called the grange points and these lagrange points that we're talking about i was reading about i posted an article um, on uh, my Facebook page about these Lagrange points that are saying that you know aliens could hide in space detritus and and in debris from either planets that have been destroyed or they and it goes back to that whole Bracewell idea that you know putting probes in asteroids or rocks or near Earth objects or even debris would be smart because they could advance their knowledge of us by just observing us. You know, like, like like in the War of the Worlds, they had observed us for some time. They saw our vulnerabilities, and they knew exactly what they could do to defeat us. And they wouldn't have to come in with lasers blazing or big spaceships or whatever. All they had to do is to find out what our vulnerabilities are. They All they'd have to do is analyze what our weaknesses are. And so when Dwight Eisenhower was president, there was a project called project sigma and project sigma intercepted alien radio communications and these objects that they were watching for some time were coming closer and closer to planet earth and they took a very high orbit around the equator they were tracking whatever they were this now remember this is the 1950s they were tracking these things as they were orbiting around the equator. And they thought what they had there were two new moons that were, you know, orbiting. But of course, the story goes that they weren't moons or NEOs. They were getting signals from several huge spaceships. And the intent of these ships, these, according to Project Cigna, they didn't know what to expect from what was out there and what was being analyzed by the military with what little radar they had and what little concept they had about what was out there. They were completely flummoxed and aghast about what they were dealing with, what they were discovering. 503-225-0860. That's 503-225-0860. I'm Clyde Lewis. You're listening to Ground Zero, and we'll be back. I'm Clyde Lewis, and you've just listened to a segment of Ground Zero. In order to access the complete archive shows and podcasts, 
you must sign up on our secured server at aftermath.media. It's only $4.99 a month for the archive shows and podcasts. Or if you want access to the Ground Zero online library, which includes videos, audio clips, ebooks, documents, a social media platform, plus the archive shows and podcasts, it's $9.99 a month. Again, that's aftermath.media. That's aftermath.media. Thanks for supporting Ground Zero.